Hello everyone, a warm welcome to Nerdy Optometrist, a podcast channel for all things optometry. And this is your host, Ukti Bora. Are you all bombarded with information of how important it is to incorporate technology into your practice and how important it is to provide more specialty care to enhance the scope of your practice? Well, I'm sure we're all ready to start using them, but it can be overwhelming. Well, don't worry, I've got you covered. I would like to highlight Eileen's all-in-one app that leverages technology to instantly enhance the skill set of eye care practitioners by enabling them to do more tests in less time through automation. The app incorporates comprehensive electronic health record system so that you have all your information in one place, along with features for myopia management, digital tests, analysis, and treatment for binocular vision. Eileen is the clinical assistant you've always been looking out for. Irrespective of the level of practice you are in, it has simple steps and tools that will help you easily incorporate it without use of heavy equipments or additional training. It is something that will help you streamline your current process and procedures. I highly recommend all of you to visit Eileen.com and sign up for your free trial. Let's start future-proofing your practice today. A huge shout out and thank you to Eileen for supporting this podcast episode. With that, let's get started. Steve Jobs once said, the ones who are crazy enough to think that they can change the world are the ones who do. Today we have someone who I who is now officially called Mr. Optometrist. So it is our first podcast recording, recording Nerdy Optometrist with Mr. Optometrist. And he is very well, very well known, not just in India, but internationally, Mr. Yashwan Saoji. To, he needs no introduction, but I'm going to do my routine of giving him a quick uh, introduction of, about his journey. He graduated from the third batch of LE School of Optometry and immediately joined a fellowship from LV Prasad Eye Institute, which he graduated in 92. Getting into education accidentally, he joined ICL, and since then he's been part of the ICL forever, and he's a lifetime fellow. Not just being part of it, he's also a contributor toward the education side of ICL. Talking about awards, he has a list that goes on. To name a few, he has been awarded as the Best Optometrist Award by the Institute Shankara Netralaya. He's also been awarded as a legend by optometry from Students Association of Ames and also the Aluminus of the Year by LV Prasad Eye Institute. He not only has contributed in education, but has also started something Masterclass Optometry and Knowledge Fest, one of the most talked optometry fun fest, which has been, which I have been privileged to be part of as well. He is recognized as BPOC's ambassador for his work on myopia awareness in India by the International Association of Orthokeratology and Myopia Control. He has lectured extensively and worked closely with all the contact lens companies you can talk about, JNJ, BNL, Alcon, Paragon, CRT, and so on. He's the first one to start Roske and Paragon CRT lens fitting in India. And not just that, he's now even a celebrity because he recently recorded a video trying to create awareness about myopia in India. So with that, thank you so much, Yashwan, sir, for being part of this podcast and a warm welcome. Namaste. What a great Monday morning for me. I'm so excited to be on Nerdy Optometrist after a long discussion with Upti. So I know. Beautiful beginning to, to uh, this week. 
I know we've been going back and forth for almost six six months, if not if not less. Yes, yes, yes. I'm but, so sorry about that. No, absolutely not. This definitely shows how busy you are. But it's 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 going to be a huge fun discussion because now this is the one where you're not going to give any lectures. You're not going to ask you to talk anything about myopia because that's what probably you've been asked to talk for the last almost a year and a half now. If not, if not more, like you've been constantly going around giving webinars. So I finally, I'm a bit nervous because, you know, I'm always on the other side of the table. You know, I ask questions. So this is the first time somebody is asking me questions. So that's, that's good. Okay. All the firsts are amazing. (laughs) And I always like to, I always like to be on this side of the table, to be honest. (laughs) Okay. So as I know, you've been busy talking about myopia. This is going to be different. So we're going to try and stick to talk only about your practice and more about your journey. So to start with, we have all known you uh, as Yashwan Saudi sir with a very successful optometry practice. And But before we even get into that, how did you bump into this profession? Was optometry something you had always known you were going to do or was it your dream? How did your journey start? See, normally, if I have to ask you a question, which year of optometry we learn about contact lens? Probably, I think contact lens starts about second or third year. Right. I knew everything about contact lens when I was in my standard seven. Okay. Because my father has got a contact lens practice, and he's an exclusive contact lens person. So okay. this clinic, basically, in earlier days, you know, people used to call him contactologist. That term somebody, some, somehow never really caught on. But exclusive contact lens practice, not even refraction, no glasses, nothing. So contact lens was in my blood. And mm-hmm. I used to train patients and wearing and handling contact lens since the time I was in sixth or seventh standard. Okay. So naturally, I've seen my, I mean, I've grown up seeing my father as an optometrist, as a very successful contactologist. So I decided, okay, contact lens is it's, it's going to be my bread and butter. But later on, of course, I diversified into optometry. But initially, it was only exclusive contact lens practice. So that's interesting. You already had a heritage which you had to kind of, you know, uh, work and build on. And you have done very successfully. So as people say, oh, you know what, you already had optometry or contact lens practice. Was it easy for you to just uh, work towards it? Or how was your struggle in the early days when, because I know even when I graduated, which was much, much later in 2008, even till then, people didn't know what optometry was, but you did it in like 92. <laughs> so how did you, how did it uh, all start by even educating people what optometry is or who an optometrist is? Okay, it's actually a very easy formula that I applied in my practice. When an optometrist graduate out of optometry school, and when the patients address them as doctors, they feel happy about it, right? right? But in India, if you start telling patients that you're not a doctor, then the second automatic question is, then who the hell are you? And that gives you a chance to explain what optometrist, optometrist is. And right. after that, the patient is yours forever. In fact, I remember the first brochure that I designed for my practice, I had one whole page dedicated to optometry profession. And I encourage the parents to send their children for optometry in India because there are so many courses wherein, you know, people somehow don't know what optometry is. So they, they yeah. have difficulty in getting candidates. So right. I was promoting optometry as a, as a good education field after their 12th standard. That's, that's actually fantastic. And I have to point out uh, for everyone who already has a practice or is planning to do, he has a very cool poster in his, in his clinic, which I'm obsessed with. <laughs> 
<laughs> do you want me to tell or you you want to talk about it? Oh, you you can you can say it. So he has this uh, amazing cool poster in I'm, I I haven't visited his clinic but I've just seen that image which says if you don't know what optometrist is Google it. I love that. <laughs> I have Google never thought of it. Yeah, Google now actually. So yeah. how so actually you know Uppi, uh, this has been so successful that people sit there on the sofa set, you know, waiting for their turn to come inside the consulting room and they Google what an optometrist is and they come in and the first thing they say is, you know what, henceforth, we are only going to visit an optometrist. So it's a very easy way of propagating what an optometry and optometrist and optometry practice are. Right, absolutely. So when you, so you already had your father who was into this practice and you said like you had to now build on it and grow your practice. Was it really challenging because some people feel, oh, you know, it was easy for you compared to other. But I want to know from your side, was it really difficult to even then or now uh, promote yourself as an optometry clinic? How does how was that process? Well, it was not easy, but it was not difficult also because I was very confident about my knowledge and my skills. And remember, my diet comes from an era wherein uh, the conventional lenses were the only option available. Right. right. So shifting patients from conventional to disposable, moving on to specialty contact lens practice, which was non-existing back then. So it, it did take some uh, some amount of effort. And uh, normally we have this thing in India, you know, uh, your father is not there, then we would like to reschedule the appointment and you come again when your father is there. So people don't want to accept juniors. Right. And uh, during that time, it just happened that I got a job in Abu Dhabi and I went there and I I worked there for two years and actually that drained on my clinical skills because all I was doing was a refraction and maybe basic contact lens. But when I came back from there and I started telling my patients, you know, I, I just came back from uh, Abu Dhabi and they said, okay, for in return. So he's the guy we need to go to. And that actually worked out in my favor and the practice just got uh, going from there. That's, that's, that's a good twist, though you had probably the same skills. <laughs> no, in fact, my skills were rusty. When I came back from Abu Dhabi, my skills were rusty. I was much better optometrist when I freshly graduated from optometry school. So now talking about optometrist, and I actually want to specify this uh, this topic and spend a little time here. You say when you graduated as an optometrist, your skills were at the par or at the peak. And then, you know, when you go into a setup, you are molded to do certain things in certain ways, especially if you're working in an optical or in a hospital or a private practice, it all changes. But you clinged on to your to your core and that's what you're practicing. So what according to you, and I, the reason I'm talking is I know many people do struggle to find their space and feel, oh, if I still remain a true optometrist, I won't be successful. So what according to you is needed uh, when an optometrist is starting his clinic or a setup? Well, you just need to be passionate about optometry. Uh, the required skills are already got uh, from the optometry school. And you very rightly said, you know, people want to do something else other than optometry because they feel they may not be recognized by the patients as optometrists. So that actually works out in my favor because I stand out then. I'm yes. a known optometrist and others try to behave like an optician or an ophthalmologist. Right. So I think if you just stick to optometry, then you succeed. But optometry is not only about refractions. Optometry mm -hmm. is like complete optometry. Right. So if you have a clinic, I mean, how many, how many clinics do you have which are proper optometry clinics in India? You can just count them on fingers. Right. Sadly enough, yeah, I was, actually count them on fingers. Yeah. So I was asked this question in another forum, you know, how many of uh, competitors do you have? I said, name one. 
and they could not think of one name so when you when you see this happening and it is a sad truth where people actually end up opening optical outlets just because they feel it's easy uh it's more money it's not that you're not earning money or you're not making money right with whatever you do how do you encourage people to start optometry clinic and not just opticians what are your what are your tips for that you know see you're very right in saying you know the money is there in optical dispensing so my my only success mantra to any any optometrist would be rather than having an optical clinic or rather than having a optometry clinic in an optical shop you have an optical shop in an optometry clinic right and then you can progress as an optometrist so people dedicate 90% of space to you know spectacle frames and sunglasses and they have one cramped up place under the staircase which is their optometry clinic so patients are not going to listen to you then mm-hmm. you're an optician you want to be a professional your room should look like a professional consulting room right and mind my words of okay, i would like to use your forum to tell people that another 5 years or possibly even 3 years money from optical dispensing to a private optometrist is really going to go down because today if i have to spend 50000 rupees i would not come to my practice i would rather right. go to a youth swanky store right so which is our core area which is our area of expertise that's optometry optometry consultations and right. that is the, that is going to help optometrists to grow absolutely and i think it's it's true and i've seen uh, because i used to practice back in india too as soon as the chain optical started coming up right everybody started feeling a threat because you're trying to mimic something which is a bigger organization they have money they funds and you're an independent practitioner so it's not that you won't make money but yes you will feel threat i have also heard not just from you even from prasad savan sir that it big i am more secure and safe because i have an optometry clinic i'm not competing with opticians and talking about optometry clinic it's not just that you do charity you charge your patients your consultation mm-hmm. are a paid consultation which again is breaking a lot of barriers even in the mindset because people feel my patients or patients don't pay and why will they pay if someone is giving a free eye exam next for so what do you have to talk about that well there are about five optical stores and all branded and good names who are surrounding my practice and they offer free consultation and there are so many ophthalmologists in the vicinity their consulting charges are lesser than mine my charges are pretty high okay and uh, but the thing is i justify those charges not only to myself but to my patients also so when they get their money's worth then they come to me right so today if you if you see how many people complain about my consulting charges in a year possibly not even one it's going to be a very rare occurrence that people hesitate paying your consultation fees see people don't it, it's not that people want it free of cost there are people who are willing to pay and people who are willing to pay a high price but they should get their money's worth right what few us few of us do you know we we we, we tend to do basic refraction and we want to charge 500 rupees or 1000 rupees that doesn't happen you right. have to do a pro- proper professional examination right there is one optometrist in india who is charging 2000 rupees consultation and that is my next target now it's not about earning money but it's about delivering that level of service wherein i can command 2000 rupees in my consulting fees absolutely absolutely and i think that has been a a trend that you know people are probably not really aware of and that what even happens even with doctors where even if you take ophthalmologist right there are some ophthalmologist who might charge 500 rupees or say 1000 rupees for the consultation they are probably the same doctor same qualifications but why do they get 
patients of both the categories because it depends on the service, the facilities, the art of uh, the service that they provide. So it all depends what are you giving value for their money and people will pay for it. Another thing to add at the same time, you know, I don't just because a patient cannot pay uh, my consulting fees, I don't refuse that patient. I would forward all the concessions required for the required set of population. So I, I do social service also, but my minimum charges are 10 rupees. So they have to pay 10 rupees, how much ever poor you are. So you Got pay it. 10 rupees, you get the same quality of eye exam. And that is brilliant. And I know we've been discussing this uh, a lot of time that even a plumber or an electrician charges their service fee. Why don't we do it? This is being discussed, I think, multiple times on multiple forums where people still feel you are com- they are competing with the next door optical and they everybody is getting free i exams to be honest nothing is free in this world so very true, very true. but i loved how you said you can pay me 10 rupees i don't care what the money is but you have to pay for the service it's you have to pay that is for sure that that's actually a very very good takeaway like you know charge your service and it's just not respect to yourself or your profession but also respectful for the patient that you know you are giving them what they've asked for and very important doesn't matter how much they pay not to compromise the care or the service i think that is i think that is phenomenal now you have an optometry practice uh, which we all have talked about uh, i want to know how does your day in your optometric practice looks like most of them the reason i ask is i know most of them who are not from india might feel why is she asking this question is because in india majority of them who don't have optometry practice they go in get a refraction come out buy, buy glasses and go away but i know that your practice is different and for all those trying to venture into this optometry practice, we'd like to know how does your optometry day look like? Well, uh, it's, it's pretty much the same with a little bit of twist. You know, people come here, get their refraction done. Mm-hmm. Uh, to start with, my refraction is completely different from maybe 70% of the refraction being done outside because we do complete binocular uh, vision assessment. And uh, we go at length in examining the patient's eye for suitability of contact lens. Okay. Okay. So we spend considerable amount of time and sometimes, you know, the examination can go up to one and a half hours also per patient. Wow. So that's the first difference. The second difference is, uh, let's say it's a simple case, you know, he just has to buy glasses. Now in my practice, the patient is not allowed to select glasses on their own. So after the refraction is done, then I, I sit and counsel the patient regarding what kind of uh, spectacle glass or spectacle lens design that he, he should offer. for. And then he goes outside in the dispensing area and he selects maybe about four or five frames to his liking. But the final frame is decided by me. And of course, we take into account what the patient's interests are, patient's liking are. But then uh, in case of some patient says, you know, I want this particular frame with this particular glass, then I would rather tell them to go outside and buy in an optical shop where he can save money. Because over here, he is paying my consulting fees for allowing me to decide for him what is best for him. And right. we stand by our recommendation in a sense that for some reason, if the patient does not like it, then we take the glass back and we exchange it to something that is of his liking. As an optometrist of PI, I feel that we, we can visualize what the complete pair of specs would look like as opposed to what patient sees is only the spectacle frame. Right. And I think this is phenomenal because I have not encountered any such practice and i have i know even in in practices say whether you're talking about the chains where they do have an eye exam area where they ask 
optometrist to wear white coat and things but still they have always seen it as two departments one is you just do your refraction and that's where your job ends or you can at the most recommend what lenses or frames would work but then it's a sales team's job to give them the most expensive or the best lens option and the frames that's available you are not qualified enough to sell frames and lenses so you're not supposed to do it and that's how that's how it is been done right like okay this is what i've i have said i have advised but that's it i'm not supposed to talk anything beyond that and when you say about optometry uh practice you're talking about end to end solution for the patient it's not just this is not my job yes. this is not my recommendation or this is not what i do and i think this is a, a very important takeaway message especially when you have such a busy day you still make time for every patient in making sure that their entire exam or their experience is customized it's not something that they'll find anywhere uh, anywhere else they go so i think this was this was great another thing which i want to talk about is uh, you have a very unique program where you have optometry students come and see and learn and you have that internship process in your clinic how has that experience been for you and what encouraged you to even start that when it started in the initial uh, years uh, varti vidyapeet because varti vidyapeet was not very well equipped with uh, having a proper hospital setup that time when we started optometry school mm-hmm. so i offered people can visit my practice and uh, be an observer for maybe a couple of months and uh, from that couple of months it became maybe 6 months or 9 months or 10 months you know and now my center is recognized as an official uh what do you say internship center for bartivita pete and we every year we have two students coming in and that experience has been great because even people like to see so many uh 100% optometry oriented cases in right. practice and i also enjoy teaching because somewhere i i remain connected with optometry teachings earlier i used to teach the students then i moved on to practitioner education program and now practitioner education programs have become less so i have students in my clinic So it's, it's fun it's fun so now talking about this you know your clinic becoming a center is definitely very inspiring for young students for sure because otherwise we're always been always been given internships mainly in hospitals or in opticals you never have an optometry practice which gives you a sweet spot between both the both the spectrum of the practice right uh, now when you talk about all this what are the bigger mistakes or big mistakes you see people who might attempt to have an optometry practice but they fail or there is what are according to you the biggest mistakes or potential mistakes when someone starts i think the biggest mistake and potential mistake is people still feel you know the earring is through optical dispensing so they want to devote maximum area to optical dispensing whereas as i said earlier also another 2 3 years things are going to be completely different your right. clinical side is going to earn you more money so concentrate in developing a 360 degree optometric practice rather than concentrating only on optical dispensing and that that is something which is very difficult for people to accept because currently everyone sees you know this optician is prospering that optician is prospering so the money is there in spectacle frames and lenses Yes, yes, money is there, but getting, we don't know how. Getting how over that is difficult. Got it. And when we talk about, uh, you know, even specialty care, you have excelled, and it's not that you have stopped learning since I would say ninety one, ninety two when you graduated. You're still learning. You're still writing courses. You're still still bringing new technology in India. People again have these misconceptions that patient won't pay. 
for whatever thousands of rupees of contact lenses it doesn't exist what are your thoughts on that well patients pay only if you show them what they are going to get in return earlier i used to say the expense would be and until i i spoke to my friend from the us dr tom arnold he said before the patient even comes into my consulting room the patient has to pay the consulting fees so i was debating you know when exactly to charge the consulting fees and i thought that was the right approach patient has to pay you before he sees you but then we have a little different way of dealing with the patient we cancel the patient and only the patient agrees to my charges and my method of working then the patient pays the consulting fees whereas dr chavan he would just put the lens in the patient's eye and make the patient read six six now imagine a patient who's got complicated eye okay complicated cornea irregular cornea and patient can read six six or six nine then the patient can pay one lakh two lakhs three lakhs or whatever you need to charge it so he believes in showing the results so sometimes you know i i feel that your practice should not be this or that some patients you have to manage it this way and some patients you have to manage it that way there are patients who believe in counseling and there are patients who believe in the results right so people pay people pay if you give them what they are uh, what they are spending for that i think those are wonderful examples like some places yes maybe it would work that if you have established yourself in a way that you have to pay before you come in or decide what is your approach for the results first or explain them first there are multiple options but charge and you will have people who will pay for the service uh, okay just one minute i would like to add something else you know it's not only about charging i mean there have been many cases where the patient has paid us 80000 for a pair of lenses and we have spent maybe 2 lakhs or 3 lakhs from our pocket mm-hmm. so it's not about every time you make profit specialty practices right. you know one or two cases you make profit then one case you make a loss so you have to assess your earning from specialty practice every quarter so one quarter you might end up making some profits one quarter you might end up making a loss so currently orthopedology i think i'm doing the maximum cases in india i think and uh, i am minus about 2 lakhs or 2 and a half lakhs so i have not made any profit as such i am actually in loss because we are experimenting we are getting lenses from so many different labs we designing lenses on so many different uh, softwares so it's a learning curve for me so maybe tomorrow 2020 or uh, 22 i might earn money out of it but sometimes you know your practice goes in loss when you are in your learning phase so that should not discourage you i think that's a great point because many people do lose hope or oh, you know there's no money i've got two losses or two patients said no i explained i spent one hour with them i could have easily made more money by selling you know <laughs> glasses and contact lenses but if you're aiming for something good it said right you know amazon today being a billion dollar company is still in loss <laughs> because they said they are making putting all the money in research and you know the future of the products so yes you might not see money on day one but if you're investing in something which is the future you should ready to look out for what are you gaining in the long term versus the short term so as we're talking about optometry practice right okay you know all the clinical stuffs you have learned about it but what have you been the challenges in term in terms of managing because i know after i took my mba course that i felt oh my god i wish i knew this when i was <laughs> practicing or doing something how has business aspect of optometry practice been for you any tips there Oh, I lack there, so I'm not the right person to give you tips. I cannot manage people because I'm a person who thinks from heart, not from the brain. Okay. And that's that somehow doesn't work. If if I had the skill to manage people, I would have grown by leaps and bounds. 
<laughs> that is my weak spot you have touched upon you know i cannot manage people but that that's good to know that even though you feel that is a weak spot you that's something we all look up to and we are all looking forward to see how can we have multiple optometry clinics something that you have been started and been you know holding this fort for optometry clinic for years now and we still just you know have like few few clinics out there which we can count on fingers versus chains and chains of optometry practices <laughs> there is a good scope in optometry provided we open optometry clinics yes absolutely uh, now we're going to jump into the fun segment we did learn and talk after taking you through that uh, weak spot of yours that touching that i'm going to try and make this <laughs> a fun conversation which i had promised uh, earlier when we actually decided to do this podcast so i'm going to dive into my fun segment which i like to call rapid fire simple rules oh. yeah i'll ask you uh, questions you have to answer whatever thing comes first in your mind okay so it's going to be very simple non controversial conversation <laughs> so are you ready for this yes let's go ahead okay wonderful if you were not an optometrist which other profession do you see yourself in interior design interior designing interesting i didn't know this up okay this is this is good <laughs> which is your favorite destination mm difficult question it's okay. a rapid fire first, okay. first thing that on my list is london Next london okay okay rank in the order of preference teaching research entrepreneurship entrepreneurship teaching and research maybe last last round last one, i don't know <laughs> still you are publishing papers and you know writing white papers no, i am not i am not actually those are my students papers and they are kind enough to add my name to it <laughs> you you in the recent past you've done a very interesting study and for some reason we are yet to publish the results but it will soon come out it's pertaining to orthodontology interesting good to good to know one habit of others that annoys you the most I prefer people to be sincere. So if anybody is not sincere, they really get the numbers. Okay. Your hobby when you are not doing anything related to optometry? Watching movies. Okay, which is the latest? Watch, I can watch them for like four hours. <laughs> okay, your last, your favorite movie or last movie that you watched? Favorite movie is Shole. Last movie is some movie named Cash. Okay. Uh, you really don't need brains to see that movie, but it's. It's a good movie to get you back into the monetization people. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. I I have to check that movie too. <laughs> yes. Okay. If you were to interview someone, dead or alive, who would that be? Rajneet Rathya. <laughs> I don't know him off the metric. And what would the question be for him? How can people be as successful as you are? What is the secret of your success? Oh, interesting! I'm glad that you know I'm asking successful people this question right away. <laughs> okay, if we were to write an autobiography about your journey, what do you think the title would be? My life. My life. I actually had an answer already for it. I wanted it to be Mister Optometrist. <laughs> I just love oh, that name. <laughs> awesome! Awesome! I like I'm asking this question, but I am going to tell you the answer. <laughs> 
All right. And last question. If there was one thing that you would like to add or change in optometry curriculum, what would that be? Visit to private optometry setups. That should be a mandatory visit for every optometrist before graduation. Mm -hmm. As a student, uh, you know, I had this field visit to optical blank manufacturing company. And that is where I learned how the stocks are manufactured and how these devices are manufactured. And no amount of theory could teach me what I saw in half an hour. Then there was another field visit to therapy operations in Chennai, as right. you mentioned. And we spent about two hours with him. Right? So there were questions like, you know, people don't even know optometry. So why should we become an optometrist? How do people uh, tomorrow recognize us as doctors or optometrists? And the answers that he gave, you know, they are still etched in my heart. So people inspire you. And those inspirations actually go a long way in what you will become eventually. Right. And unfortunately, that is lacking in our optometry curriculum. Field visit. So every meeting, wherever they have called me for the common minimum optometry curriculum and even later, I always test on this uh, this aspect that you know people need to see successful optometrists. Only then we can dream of becoming successful optometrists, independent optometrists. Yes, absolutely. And I think this was this was a great thing, and I'll definitely add into it uh, that we need to see because all we see all the time is industry people coming into schools and colleges. Then we are posted in hospitals where we see more clinical side of practice, and we feel okay, this is the space where I can actually practice what I've learned. And then you would see an optical. We haven't, or at least I have not seen, uh, or I haven't even visited maybe yours, Prasad sirs, at least the few I know. I haven't seen or visited any optometry clinic myself in my, in my optometry career back in India. So I can totally relate to it that I'd, all I had dreamt or thought of, okay, I have to either open an optical, work in an optical, or if you're in academics, stick to your school and college where you can teach or go to hospitals. Those were literally the three options laid out. Though I'm studying for optometry, I was never, I was never dreaming of opening an optometry clinic. Yeah. That is because you did not see a successful optometry yes. practice. Yes, yes, absolutely. I was lucky to see my seniors practice, you know, in Chennai. Right. That is one practice I would encourage everyone to go and visit. And uh, this started in 1991. Spectrum eye care. Okay, perfect. So this is this is really insightful and great. I have to say that I wish I knew this 10 years ago, I would say. <laughs> but it's not so late. And I'm glad and I'm hoping that this will reach out to all those fresh graduate new students. It doesn't matter, you know, if you are able to uh, reach out to say Yashwan sir or go to Spectrum out, uh, Optics or whoever, you know, practice. Just aim to start an optometry practice and if you aim or plan to do that i know especially uh, me myself have tried you know reaching out to people and they were super helpful if you are trying to do something everybody in the eye care industry is going to help and support you to guide you so it's okay if you don't go but if you plan or if you dream just reach out to me yashwan sir or anyone that you know and i'm sure people will help you for that and I think you did fantastic in a rapid fire round. Not, not that crazy, I'm sure. Uh, so with that, I just want to like to take your final advice or your takeaway message for all the listeners. Well, final advice is uh, don't think about joining an optical shop or an optometry practice. Always think about starting your independent optometry practice. In fact, one advice which I wanted to give to the recently formed Maharashtra Optometry Association is I wanted a community being constituted which will help people in starting their private optometry setup. 
Now everywhere, every conference, every meeting, people want to you know how to crack this code, how to make optometry popular in India. Well, optometry cannot be made popular in India till the time we have ample number of private optometry centers. Right. So I would be happy when we have decent uh, numbers of private optometry centers and people who actually do optometry for their eye examination. With that. Thank you so much once again, sir, for your time, especially Monday morning. I know how busy your day and your week is, but I really appreciate you doing it with all my pushback or like, can we do it? Can we do it? I really appreciate you getting on the call. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me.